Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. The background for this chapter is the children of Israel are on Mount Sinai, or they're near Mount Sinai. Moses has been on Mount Sinai. There's lightning and thunder. God has given the Ten Commandments, but God doesn't leave them without instruction. He's given the Ten Commandments, but now he's giving the first instruction. You find it in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 22. God wanted Israel to obey everything that he had commanded them to do, but they weren't going to get there. They weren't going to become until they knew what to do. And he gives some of the very first instruction he gives in Exodus 20 and verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. God's not going to share his glory with anybody. Verse 24, God gives this further instruction. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it out of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thine tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. I, I love how God just kind of lays the groundwork literally out of the ground. He said, build an offering. And out of that, on that offering, everybody is going to be able to come from anywhere and bring whatever the need is, whatever the offering, whatever the, the sin sacrifice is, wherever you've come from, whatever your past has been, whatever, whatever your approach to God that you're saddled with, that you've done, whatever that is, he said, there is an opportunity for everybody to congregate and meet at the very beginning of what I'm doing with you at this place called the altar. And I've just felt in my spirit over the last week or more, and especially over the past few days, that God is challenging us with this one commission. It's time to build an altar. You say, well, Pastor Jack, I've already <clears throat> built an altar in my life. Well, the word of the Lord is coming this morning one more time to remind somebody it's time to rebuild an altar. We have, we have scripture preference for that. There is, there is a season sometimes in our lives when the altar gets broken down, but God commissions someone this morning, it's time to rebuild the altar in your life. Altars aren't very popular. I don't know what the response physically will be to the message. I don't know if you'll jump or shout or Jericho or holy roll all perfectly permissible in an apostolic environment I don't know, I don't know but I'm not really looking for that kind of response today I'm asking that the Lord will help us deliver the word that he has challenged us to bring and if you'll receive it, God will he said, bring blessing he said, he said that if you will, then I will bless I need God's blessing in my life more than ever. 
If you need it, would you lift your voice together with me? I know we've prayed a number of times. Thank you for sacrificially giving to the need in Kingston. Thank you for worshiping with a great sacrifice of praise. But I wonder if someone would just be the living sacrifice this morning for a moment and bring yourself to the altar today and ask God that he would minister and move in this room. Father, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. God, please don't allow us to operate in our human engineering or human ability. But Father, I'm praying that we will, God, that we will hide behind the shadow of your cross this morning. And God, let our voice be lost in yours. I pray that you would declare, God, that you would speak freedom. I ask that you would bring liberty and hope and help. I I pray that someone that they thought they were at the dead end, but they didn't realize that it's a brand new beginning. You're bringing someone hope this morning in this place, in this season. God, in this time, God, in this decade, in this time in their life, you're working right now. And I pray, God, that you would be clear. God, speak clearly, we ask. God, Make a way in the middle of no way, we pray. In your precious name, we ask these things. Would you just lift your hands one more time? I I just feel that pull into God's presence. If you feel that, would you? Come on. Come on, let's step a little higher for a moment. Let's let's go a little deeper. Let's let's take a walk and take some territory in the kingdom. Let's let's just kind of advance the cause of Christ for a few moments today. Come on, intercessors, would you intercede for a minute? Come on, prayer warriors, why don't we just why don't we just take a little bit of kingdom by, by prayer? Let's step in for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel that rise that's happening. I, I feel a stirring in the water. I, I sense the wind of the Holy Ghost beginning to blow in this place this morning. Ah, there's a there's a help that comes as it's not from somebody, it's not from someone nearby. It's a help that comes from the Lord. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help, come on, my help isn't gonna come from a cell phone call. My help isn't gonna come by text message. My help's not gonna come from somebody. My help, it's only gonna come from above. It's only gonna come from the mountain. It's only gonna come from the hill from whence cometh my help. I feel my help coming on this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody take it right now. Somebody receive it right now. Come on, that liberty is what you've been waiting for. Come on, that freedom is what you've been asking for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. It is so wonderful to have everybody in the house of the Lord. I'm excited. We've got a couple of baptisms. Some of them will be private a little later on today. We got, <clears throat> I'm just excited about what God is doing. Would you thank God for meeting with us already this morning? Amen. Much Much of the blueprint for worship was laid out in the Old Testament, the Old Testament tabernacle. The tabernacle was a prophetic picture of a heavenly process. The tabernacle was a promise of a heaven-sent Messiah. The tabernacle was the outline and the layout for us to be able to walk out our faith in God. I love the picture of 
promise that we find in that ancient dwelling place. If you look at the courtyard, if you looked at <clears throat> the holy place, the table of incense, the golden candlestick, the table of showbread. If you were to step beyond the veil into the holy of holies, you'd find the ark of the covenant. And most <clears throat> precious of all, God's precious Shekinah glory overshadowing the mercy seat there on the ark of the covenant. It's all a beautiful, powerful picture of promise. But for the sake of our lesson this morning, I want to remind all of us that before the priest ever stepped over the threshold into the room, he had to approach the altar. Before you ever entered the tabernacle, you approached the altar. The altar was the initial place of meeting. The altar was the place of dedication the altar was a place of separation. It didn't matter where you come from. When you got to that place, it was you and God. It was a relationship that was established. God said, here's where I'm going to meet with my people. But this is how that relationship is initiated. You start at the altar. The altar was that place of sacrifice. You didn't come empty-handed to the tabernacle. You didn't come with uh, an empty a sacrifice. Somebody brought something when they approached the tabernacle of God. You always come with something. And I, I, I commend you. I, 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 I celebrate what God is doing in this room this morning. And it only happens when people come on purpose. It only happens when you showed up in the room this morning and, and you weren't just going to let the singers be the song singers. You, you said, you know what, I'm going to join with them. You, you just didn't let the song be the thing this morning. You allowed your hands to be raised in worship. You, you entertained the presence of God. There's something powerful about people praising God. It, it, it means that you didn't come empty-handed. And, and you can come with the, the greatest laying-down need in your life. But, but can I let you know that when you come with purpose and when you come in... Thank you, Anthony. When you come with purpose and you come with praise, then God is going to move. God's going to help. God's going to meet us. And, and, and you, you may have come with all kinds of baggage this morning, but when you stepped into the room and you began to take your attention off of yourself and put your attention on God, there's something that shifted in the supernatural. You brought a sacrifice of praise. You said, well, I didn't have a whole lot to give in the offering. It don't matter today. It doesn't matter what, about that. What matters is that you brought something to bring to God this morning. That place of sacrifice. And as we get closer and closer to the end times, we're in the end times, and when we get closer and closer to the coming of Christ, the thing that would concern me is that there is an absence of the altar in our lives. I wrote in my notes, keystone thought. I usually don't get that eloquent. The absence of the altar is the absence of revival. Don't worry, I put a little hope under there too. The presence of the altar is the indicator of revival. If we're going to have, and I believe that we are, we've been preaching about it, we've been reading about it, we've been declaring it, I believe that we are going to have an end time revival. My favorite scripture is in the last time, days saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I'm grateful today that we have an end time promise that includes, come on, a multicultural revival. We have an end time promise that includes a multi-generational revival. We have that promise and we're going to declare it. But if we're going to have a mighty revival, then we must have a massive altar.
Come on, I'm not talking about an altar that, that we can take credit for because nobody loves altars. Altars are places that get messy. Altars are places where something has to die. Altars aren't convenient. They're very inconvenient. Altars will cost you something. But God will never be a debtor. And it, I can promise you that whatever you bring to God, God is going to bring it back into your life. No wonder God said that if you'll build the altar, then I will bring the blessing. If you'll take the time to erect those stones, those uncut stones, and if you'll take the time to build up an altar, then you can be sure that God is going to bring the blessing into to your life. Whatever you're willing to bring to the altar, God's not going to let you leave empty-handed. Somewhere, sometime, before the end of time, God is going to bring blessing back into your life. It's going to happen. Market town, you can't give to God and God not give that. Press town, shaking together and running over. God said, I will bring it back. That's a promise. So we know that if we will take the time and if we will make the sacrifice, we're not going to be the loser. You see, the sacrifice is always an indicator of your willingness to trust God. It's a declaration of faith. It's an ability to believe that God is greater than the need in your life. So when you take of what you possess, sometimes in your lack, we have the promise that God will never leave you with less than you started with. Your 90% will always go further than 100%. That 10% that you give to God, that gift, that, that's not a gift, that's actually God's. The Bible says, can a man rob God? You can't rob God. But if you give it, God said he will give back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He said that he would open the windows of heaven. So often we're looking for the doors of earth to be open. And God said, hold on a minute. I want to open the window of heaven. If you're willing to release gifting into God's kingdom, then God will bring blessing into your life. That's just a side note that's free this morning. It's not even no charge for that. That's just, that's just there. But we know that, that if we're willing to build the altar and if we're willing to lay our sacrifice upon it, then God will meet with us. But it necessitates the building of an altar. I want the blessing, but don't forget the building. We've got to build altars in our lives. I, I, I don't know. It's the simplest thought in the world, but, but <clears throat> I, I just have a question. Is the altar present or absent in your life? If you don't know, it's time to build an altar. If you're not sure, it's time to build an altar. Uh, I, if a biblically commanded altar is in your life, then, then you're, you're, you'll never be unsure. It's too big not to notice. If a biblically commanded altar is in your life, the sacrifice isn't negligible. It's noticeable. You never forget sacrifice. You'll never forget the things in life that cost you more than you knew you had to pay. We just took Justin's truck in for an inspection this week. Dropped it off at the auto shop, and we both were like, you know, eyebrows in the hairline kind of day. 
As a matter of fact, I was in a meeting. The first call came back from the, from the repair shop, and I didn't take the call. And, and I, I'll just be honest. Through the rest of the day, I was wondering, now I, I wonder. When I dropped it off, I, you, know, you don't want to be the dumb, the dumb guy. I said, I know it needs some stuff. <laughs> no, I, I know it needs some stuff. Well, you can't even hardly see out the windshield for the cracks. Let's start there. <laughs> Captain Obvious, I know it needs some stuff. I know it needs stuff. And I told him, I said, well, no, I, don't, you know, I, I don't know, bud. He's like, yeah, this is literal, literal words from Justin. Adulting, he's becoming, he's right over there. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for the sermon illustration this morning. He said, yeah, <clears throat> this one's going to hurt. <laughs> and then my favorite line of all, my response, maybe you'll get to drive old blue. <laughs> Wasn't too eager. So finally, I, I, I uh, got the call back and got the list. It's still on my whiteboard up in the office, if you want to look. I was on the phone. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, okay. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> notice, notice that. Yeah, rocker panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making some sacrifices to be safe on the road. <clears throat> yep. Carry on. We got through the list and he said, <clears throat> he said, but, but you realize <clears throat> that uh, the inspection's not due this year. <laughs> oh, ain't God good. I said, are you sure? <laughs> he said, well, yeah, uh, just a sec. I'll, I'll run out and check. I'll, I'll run out and check. So I was on the line. I was like, <laughs> you guys think I'm joking. I was in the, <laughs> I had my head back. I was like. <laughs> so he comes back in on the phone. He's like, and I'm like waiting. Just come on, tell me. Yeah, no, I ch checked. Uh, yep, you still got one more year. Got one more year. I was like, "Woo, ain't got good. <laughs> Fired a text message off to Justin. I said, Just, you want the good news or the bad news? He says, bad news. So I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I take a screenshot or a picture of my whiteboard, and I send it off to him. He's like, yep, yep. And I'm thinking, of, he's thinking to himself, this is going to hurt. And then I said, but <clears throat> just so you know. It's not due for another year. He's like, what? LOL. <laughs> now, just so you know, the brakes are fine. You don't, have to, you don't have to wait for him to leave before you get in front of him on the way down Downing Street or anything. Brakes are fine. Out the windshield, we're going to have to talk about that a little bit. But uh, we, we got another year. And here's what I do know, that, that the cost of repairs wouldn't go unnoticed. Especially in a year where he's getting married and making some major life transitions and all those things. There's, there's, just, there's just some seasons in life when I remember when Kathy and I, we, were, we first had bought our 
first house, and, and uh, it was just, you know, she decided, well, not we, she, not she. Oh, happy anniversary, Kath. <laughs> happy 29th anniversary. We didn't put that slide up, by the way. I think Pastor forwarded that through via the Montreal Connection. <clears throat> but a uh, happy anniversary, happy 29th. Let me step back in the sermon. Hopefully she's forgot. We decided... We, we decided that she was going to stay home with the kids, you know. And uh, so that, that was a, a slight impact on our, our finance. Um, but well worth it, I would just say. I never regretted that move ever, not, not one time. Um, not saying that's what you have to do, should do. That's family decision. Uh, how far off the notes am I? <laughs> Long story short, it was that, <clears throat> that year that our Hyundai Elantra decided to throw the timing belt and before we knew it there was a $1,500 charge in order for us to have a vehicle and that was kind of a necessity and I remember the frustration that came along with that and I remember uh, getting that car back repaired and that car at that point that was a tremendous sacrifice I, I drove that car very carefully I, I, I drove that car with utmost care I wasn't tearing the tires off it and, and I wasn't you know I was just saying I just need this thing to last because it, now it became something that, that I had invested in. Now it was something that was a part of, of my effort and part of my toil was now in the tires that were rolling up the road. That, that was a sacrifice. It cost me something. So I remember, I didn't forget about that bill. I'll never forget about uh, us sitting down to talk about it. I remember us making the decision. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and make that repair. Oh, it was a sacrifice. It cost us something. You don't ever forget sacrifice. You don't forget the seasons in your life when it costs you more than you had. There's just those times in our lives, sometimes when sacrifice, you won't forget. Can I just remind you that God calls us to the altar with sacrifice? And when we have altars that are God required in our lives, then it requires more of us than we would want to pay. It's part of our sacrifice. It's part of the cost that's required of us. It's, it's part of that. If anybody, have you ever been in that situation before? Where you, it just caught, anyone, no one here ever had your car inspected? You all drive 20, 2021s? You don't know what I'm talking about? Somebody's talking back. <laughs> Somebody, I hear an amen in the amen corner. It just sometimes, it, well, can I, can I just say, that, that's the point I'm trying to make this morning, is that your altar will cost something. Let me step back to the point. A biblically commanded altar, if it's in your life, the sacrifice is too big not to notice. The, sac the sacrifice required isn't negligible. It's noticeable. You never forget sacrifice. You may take blessing for granted. You may overlook the goodness of God. We all have. But you will remember the thing that cost you something. You will. And here's where we're coming in for a landing this morning. Is that we need those kind of altars in our lives. And I'm not talking about finance today. I'm talking about altars of prayer. I'm talking about altars of separation. I'm talking about altars that require 
a direction in our life sometimes to take a course correction. I'm talking about mornings where we tell God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and it costs us something. If you do have that altar in your life, I applaud you today. I, I celebrate you. I thank you. You're one of the reasons that we're still here in 2021. But if you're unsure about the altar, if you can't define the altar in your life today, then that message is for us today. Great altars bring great revival. The mightiest of men built altars. Before they built cities or families or history, they built altars in their lives. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I've got references. If we had time, we could go through them. David, Gideon, altars. Elijah, the Bible says that when he confronted the, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, that they repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. It may be that you had an altar, but somewhere along the lines, it got torn down. Something just got sideways in your life, and, and, and the prayer went, and the word went. And, and we're still here. We're hanging on. We're, we're, we're getting through Sundays, but God's calling us to the next level today. God's calling us to a Monday morning relationship with God. And God's calling us to a Tuesday morning sacrifice of praise. And God's calling us to a Wednesday morning sacrifice where we put some things on the altar and say, God, I know it's midweek, but I need your help today. God's calling us to Thursday morning and Friday morning. And God's calling us, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're not the morning, maybe you're not the morning person, maybe you're evening, maybe it's the midnight oil that you're burning. That's fine. God accepts those kind of sacrifices too. It's that, it's that, maybe it's that midnight cry that you're making, that, that you're calling out to God, that you're asking him to revive something in your spirit or to turn something around in your life, that, that, that God honors that sacrifice too. But it's those altars that prepare the way for the greatest revivals. And CCC, I, I am so grateful for all of you. I am so privileged to be a part of you. I'm, it's the greatest honor that we have to, to be here in this season, to be here in this for such a time as this. It's the greatest honor for us to serve God together here in this place. The greatest honor that we have. It's the greatest honor. But we will never see the greatest revival until we have a great altar. We'll never see it. We'll never have it. We'll, and God is calling us to that next level of sacrifice. Paul, Paul refers to, to a spiritual house. In first Peter, sorry, Peter refers to it in, in first Peter chapter two and verse five, ye also as lively stones are built up a an spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted acceptable to God by, by Jesus Christ. There's also reference to living sacrifices, but that's the problem when you get a living sacrifice and lively stones. We've got two variables that keep changing. The altar keeps wanting to move away and you keep wanting to crawl away. So when we get lively stones and, and, and living sacrifices, it's a constant battle for us to come back. But if we will make the step to allow the altar to be built in our life, not, not just once a week or once a month or, or a couple times a year during, during commission services, but if we will take the time to allow our lives to be on that altar daily, 
then God will bring, God will save, God will reach, God will fill, God will have baptismal waters stirred daily because we are allowing the altar to be built daily. We have got to move past the church on Sunday mentality. We have got to move into the altar daily mentality. We've got to make sure that our living stones, that our, our altars are built every single day. If we're going to have a mighty revival, then we must have a massive altar. I understand. We can come back to the music. I understand that we live in a gimme now culture. I know we want instant gratification. I know we seek to please ourselves first. But there is a quiet call to sacrifice that's in this room this morning that can't be ignored. It was Judges chapter 6 in Gideon. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. If you skip down to verse 4, it says, And they encamped, the Midianites encamped against Israel and destroyed the increase of the earth. Someone say destroyed. They destroyed the increase of the earth. It says they came up, verse 5, they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. The enemy always has a destruction agenda. Jesus said the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you know why he's so bent on destruction? Because if he can destroy you, then there is, if he can bring destruction, then there's less chance of insurrection. If he destroys you, but as long as you are still, he, that's why captivity isn't his agenda. That's, that's why he's never happy with just putting somebody in bondage. That, that's why he's never content to just leave someone. To, to, he always wants to take sin to the lowest level and destroy. He wants to destroy lives. He wants to destroy homes. He wants to destroy families. Because if he can bring destruction, the chance of somebody coming back. But let me tell you what happens is that he can't do more than God will allow. And as long as we're still, just take a look around for a minute. Look who's still here. We're still here. We're still here. If the enemy, if he had his way, then we would not be here. But God gets his way. Why? Because God says, I got my hand on this people. I got my hand on this church. I got plans for what I'm going to do in Fredericton. I've got plans for what I'm going to do in New Brunswick for Canada. I've got plans for what I'm going to do all around the world. And so the enemy's plan is thwarted and God's plan is implemented. But what God is saying is, I just need someone that will build an altar. I just need someone. Let me tell you why God gave Moses instructions on how big to build the altar because the altar it was big enough pace it off it was big enough to allow all of that other tabernacle furniture to fit inside of it all of the praise all of the altar of incense everything else all of the golden candlesticks the, the table of showbread the the Come on, the Ark of the Covenant, it would all fit inside the altar. Why? Because if your altar's big enough to contain all that, you're going to have the greatest praise. You're going to have the greatest promise. You're going to have the greatest glory of God resting, but it takes a great altar. And if Moses had been left up to determine the size of the altar, it may have been this big. It may have been, maybe it was three feet by three feet. Maybe it was four feet by four feet. But regardless, Moses would have built the altar too small. We 
always are willing to build the altar too small. But if God in this simple sermon could encourage somebody to build a great altar, something great would happen in this supernatural. Great revival comes when we have great altars. You're still here because God has a plan for your life. Midian wanted to destroy it. Their agenda was destruction. But God slipped an angel under the oak and met with Gideon there. He met with him. He'd been threshing wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appears unto them. The, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon says, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then is all of this befallen us? Anybody said that lately? I know, God, your word said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? But sometimes, I, I'll be honest, scrolling through the headlines, you begin to say to yourself, where are you, God? In Gideon's word, where, why has all of this befallen us? Why are we facing all of this if God is with us? Can I just remind you, the enemy's headlines are never an indicator of what God is doing. There's a Gideon somewhere. There's a Gideon somewhere in this room. And God is speaking and encouraging and challenging. Gideon starts the testimony service himself. He said, did not God bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord hath forsaken us. It's one of those testimony services. <laughs> We've all been there. As a matter of fact, I had a, fr a friend somewhere between the North and South Pole. Recently who decided, you know, it would be good to bring back testimony service. Someone stood up and they went off on a tangent that was so far from anything that glorified God. And his wife sent the text message because we need wives like that. She said, this is why we don't do testimony service anymore. Gideon's having that kind of testimony service. But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Oh, Gideon, you got it so wrong. As a matter of fact, you better get ready. But there's some prerequisites that are required, Gideon. The Lord told him, he said, go this in thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Someone just put your hand on your chest and say, God is sending me. And there's a Holy Ghost help in the room right now. Hmm. And God said, I will be with thee. 
thou shalt smite the Midians. Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, if, that, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring thee by present, set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah flour and flesh. He put it in a basket and he brought the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and, and presented it. And, God, and Gideon thought that this angel of God was going to eat of it. And the, the angel of God says, no, 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 I take the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And he said, lay them here on this rock. He said, first things first, Gideon, we're going to build an altar. You got the sacrifice. You've got the right heart. You got the, you, you got the message. We're going we're gonna to take this rock and this rock, this rock, it's going to become the altar. And Gideon, he takes the kid and he takes the flower and he puts it on the altar. The Bible says the angel extends the rod that's in his hand fire comes up from the rock <laughs> consumes the sacrifice getting he's got he's got the message he needs an altar in his life it says the angel of the lord departed out of his sight and when gideon perceived that he was an angel of the lord he gets worried. I've seen an angel face of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not. Thou shalt not die. And read what Gideon does next. It says, Then Gideon built an altar there. Verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord. And called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abazarites. Right there, in that place, Gideon builds an altar unto God. We know the story. We know the rest of the story of Gideon. 32,000 men. God whittles it down to 10,000. He, he, come on. Then he whittles that army of 10,000 down to 300 men. And then he sends Gideon with 300 men and trumpets and lights and lamps to go in and fight this great, huge, incredible army of the Midianites and we know the end of the story that the Midianites end up destroying themselves when God declares his victory amongst those people but can I just step back in the story to where this all began that it began at a rock where Gideon said alright if God's going to use me then I'm going to I'm going to place this stuff on this rock and, and the fire consumes the sacrifice and, and then Gideon says I'm not going to stop there I'm going to build an altar I'm going to build an altar and if you'll read on through the story of Gideon Gideon doesn't stop there either as a matter of fact he goes and tears down the Asherah pole and he destroys the altar that's been erected to Baal why because you can't have more than one altar in your life and if you'll take care to build that one altar that one altar will be greater than every other altar in your life The cost of the other altars was tremendous. The cost of the other altars, it, it was significant. But God was calling Gideon to that place of sacrifice. And when Gideon did, God brought great blessing, great deliverance, great revival among the people. Standing together with me. God is calling. God is calling this morning.
you know we love building projects. We've been in one for 20 years. We love construction zones. Please don't touch any wires. We love it. But the greatest construction that we can undergo, the greatest building program that we could have is that we would take the time to build altars in our lives. It's time to build an altar, CCC. I, here, I can't build your altar. I can encourage you. Pastor Woodward can't build your altar. He can teach us. See, nobody, nobody can build your altar. You have to build your own altar this morning. But if you do, you see, that's why Gideon called it Jehovah Shalom. We know Shalom. It's the common greeting for peace. Shalom. But in the midst of absolute chaos, when Gideon built an altar and sacrificed on it, he called the name of that place Jehovah Shalom. Anybody need a little peace in a stress-filled life today? It's, it, it, it's counterculture to build an altar in that season, but if you'll build an altar in that season, guess what will happen? Jehovah Shalom will show up. The God of peace will enter your life in a way that he never has before. It's time to build an altar. I have more notes, but to be honest, I don't have more sermon. I think the message has already been delivered and God has already encouraged someone to move from the place that you're in and to step into the place of promise that he has for you. You see, if the devil could have taken you, he would have by now. But God left you here because he needs altar builders. You say, I'm not much of a construction guy. Well, you just build the altar. You don't have, as a matter of fact, if you try, that's what he told Moses, unhewn stones. Don't touch the stones. You have to build the altar out of whatever you have. Whatever exists in your life is what God requires you to build the altar. You don't have to go and get something. You don't have to go become something that you aren't to become an altar builder in your life. God says, what have you got? What have you got that's untouched? What have you got that's, that's unhindered by humanity? What have you got in your life? Build your altar with that out of the earth, out of the unhewn stones, build the altar of your life. I'm praying together if you'll join with me. But this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. This is why we call it an altar. Father, we are your children today. God, I've felt your courage and your help come in this room. Jesus, if you could call Someone like Gideon, who was the smallest of the smallest tribe. God, if you could work with someone who struggled with insignificance and lack of purpose. And God, if you could reach back through all of the individuals of Israel's history and pull Gideon's name to the surface, then God, you have somebody, many people in the room today that you are calling. God, in this generation of 8 billion people in our world, you need a Gideon. God, you need someone that's willing. You need someone that's willing to build an altar in their life today.
God, we stand here this morning and we commit. God, we commit to having an altar of prayer. God, we commit to an altar of your word where you commune with us and you speak with us. God, we commit to having an altar of fellowship and commitment. We, we commit to sacrifice because God in a hundred years, whatever we've got doesn't matter, but the kingdom will still be at work, whether here or in eternity. So God, we lay these living sacrifices on the altar this morning. God, would you use us today? In Jesus' name we pray. We're going to begin to sing and the altar's open. I'm wondering if there's somebody in the room this morning that would say, I'm going to give my life. I'm turning it over. I'm going to commit to building an altar. Great altars bring great revival. I want to be a part of that today. If my sacrifice is less than giving you my very Hey.